0: If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the non-stop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Thank you for calling Mayor Biskupski's office. We're currently unavailable. Please leave a message, and we'll return your call as soon as possible. Thanks, and have a great day. Hello Madam Mayor Biskowski. Uh this is the Utah Man Podcast. Reaching back out. We uh we left a voicemail last week. Totally understand, you know, you're probably busy and uh, haven't had a chance to get back with us, but uh, just following up, we uh on this parade and uh you know, another week's down we're we're up against it now. So we'd love to uh, love to get together. We've got a few more ideas. Yeah, Madam Mayor, I think uh, I've been thinking about this and We'd like to have as much time to plan this as possible. So we want to get a hold of you work this out. We're thinking, we're thinking a parade route that culminated at the stadium at kickoff, just before kickoff of the BYU game at the end of the year. I think that'd be a perfect way to finish off this season. Speaking of BYU, they had a big win last night. At that point, they may be playing for a national title. So we could do it. We could do two, uh, Two parades, merge them into one. Save some money. I mean, I should be on your staff.
1: And Madam Mayor, we know, you know, parades cost a lot of money. And I'm sure the city spends a lot of money on the 24th of July parade. So why not use some of those floats? And let's just use them for the championship
0: parade. I like it, Cam. I like your thinking. I mean, again, we've got ideas. They just flow like the salmon of Capistrano. So give us a call. Um, Cam, hit her with the number one more time.
1: Yes, Mayor, you can call us back at 801-783-1894. And we also take texts on that line. I know a lot of kids these days are texting, so feel free to shoot us a text, too.
0: Or Twitter. We like to tweet. Thanks, madam. We're out. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Go Utes! Go Utes! You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott.
1: Welcome on in to the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. We're talking Utah and Weber State and getting you ready for Northern Illinois. I'm Cameron, and calling in from the Golden State of California, I got Ryan
0: nation and Scott how we doing it's good to be back uh following up a W. w it is good to be back and it's good to be good to be talking to you from sunny california yeah Ryan and I are on a on a scouting uh, uh trip we're uh, we're out scouting UC, UC, USC UCLA for some future games here
1: yeah so Ryan and Scott are in california I'm <laughs> I'm still in utah but Hey, Utah gets a W this past weekend against Weber State. It wasn't pretty to start with. I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on it. The start of the game, especially on the offense, they started out pretty slow. I think they started with a three and out, and then the muffed punt, and then an interception. It took them a, a few series to kind of find that rhythm.
0: Yeah, early on, it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty awful watching... Uh... Just did not look ready to play. Obviously rust and, you know, just kind of, uh, probably a lot of nerves, even though it's not a big opponent. The first game of the season just, to, it definitely took them some time to kind of get into find a rhythm and, and, uh, just, just start playing and dominating like they, like they should have. And, uh, um, yeah, early, early was just sloppy with turnovers, uh, a blocked field goal. Um, just, uh, even the, you know, the offensive line, they were, they looked pretty sluggish, just not, not an overall good start, but, uh, you know, they, they turned it on and, and, and got the job done with a a rather vanilla game plan on both sides of the ball. Didn't come out of the gates like I had anticipated. I think, well, I think many of us anticipated, I think all of us predicted a pretty, uh, A pretty lopsided game. I think Scott and I were a bit more lopsided than your prediction, Cam. I think yours was pretty dang close, but it was definitely a rough start. They, I think they came around a little bit. They settled down. I think some of it was nerves. I guess looking at the positive side of of that game is they ended up putting up a lot of yards, putting up a fair number of points. I think we all expected them to be a little higher, but after game one and after that opponent, it's a W and you've got a lot the coaches have a lot to take back to the film room and to the practice field this upcoming week and really really nail down some execution things. What I liked is there wasn't a lot of penalties. I think we've seen we've seen some of that in the past. No targeting. <laughs> That's always good. There there are some things to clean up, but I think it's more probably in the execution of of the plays versus just stupid mistakes, uh, at least from our perspective, or my perspective anyway. So I look forward to make a big improvement in the second game. Now, I mean, most of that reaction is coming strictly off the offensive side of the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, defensively, lights out, there was, I mean, there's really nothing to complain about. Holding Weber State, um, to the third, third least amount of total yardage in, in school history, uh, for it was 63 yards of total offense was, uh, was phenomenal. And, and, and the defense just played them straight up. There were no blitzes. There were, there was nothing that Utah was really doing to try and confuse them. Um, it was just getting up there and just beating the man in front of you one on one and dominating and, uh, you know we'll we'll get into it, but that defense is going to be something else this year. They uh, they looked unstoppable.
1: They held Weber one of fifteen on third downs, just flat out beat down on the defense. You know Jordan Wynn talked about it on the last episode that really it wasn't about the X's and O's, it was about the Jimmy and the Joes. Um, and definitely Utah had the playmakers um there to 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 stop um Weber there. Uh, Just to go back on on offense real quick, even though it it started out slow, I mean, they they did have, by me, if you look at the stat chart, they they did have a good game. Huntley 24-34, so he was right about 70% uh, for a little over 250 yards, four touchdowns, Uh, the one interception. He was hit on it, um, but still one pick. Uh, Twelve different receivers caught the ball. I think that really stood out to me. And more importantly, we finally – See some tight end action under Troy Taylor. That had to be the best game from tight ends we've had in over the year we've had with Troy Taylor.
0: No, it was, I mean, as far as tight ends go, (laughs) it's probably, I'm not even sure I can remember, you know, how long it's been since we've had, you know, consistent play from the tight ends over the course of a season. Maybe Ben Moa back in 04. Actually, that would have been 03 and uh And obviously, it's only one game, so we're we're gonna have to see if if Coothie uh, and um and Fotheringham and and the tight ends if they continue to show up and and can produce and make some catches uh but it was good to see because those are two freshmen that uh just came in that caught the balls that were thrown to them, and the wide receivers they could not say that early on; they were not catching the ball and uh so yeah it was a big step forward to see two young guys come in make some plays get get a couple tds and uh and i I hope that that's something that we see moving forward is we continually uh, utilize these tight ends um across the board especially if they can produce like that yeah what i liked also is the with, with Hunt, Huntley's ability to, he just spread the ball out. I mean, so many different guys touched the ball, uh, between, I think, three or four tight ends, multiple receivers, the backs, and, and he didn't, he, he ran the ball a few times, but it, it was in the right moments, and I, he did what he was supposed to do. He didn't put himself in harm's way to risk an injury, and, uh, in, in the big scheme of the whole thing, they racked up the yards, they racked up the points, they racked up a win. Um, I think one thing we probably should hit on is uh, is how dynamic Covey was in his first game back. I mean, that that guy needs the ball in his hands a bunch of times because he just makes things happen.
1: Well, and I thought Troy Taylor did a great job at getting Covey into the game early. I, I mean, really, in the first half, it was really – Bring Covey and Zach Moss running the show.
0: Oh yeah, I mean those those were the two standouts. I mean, obviously Mariner had a good game. Um Moss Moss was exactly what we've all expected of him coming into the season. Uh but Covey coming off a two year mission, not participating in spring ball, you know, I I think we all expected him to still have a big season and, and produce. But to come the first game and just I mean, he dominated every ball to him. He catches, he he's making, uh, he's getting yak after every catch. And then just, he brings that excitement factor. I mean, when was the last wide receiver at Utah that had that type of excitement? I mean, you, you look at maybe shaky Smithson, um, maybe a Kevin Dyson, Steve Smith, there's not, Utah does not have some long storied history of wideouts that are just must see. And I mean, every time Covey touches the ball, I mean, he had two, uh, two rushes for 64 yards, and one of those wasn't even intended to be a rush. He just, uh, broke a play that, uh, on the, on the end around, uh, where he was going to pass it. It wasn't there, and he, he turns it into uh, a huge gain. And, and brought life to the stadium. So, you know, what he's producing on the field is one thing. The other, the other aspect is the excitement level that he brings to the team and that he brings to the crowd overall. The yeah, Cubby is just, he was, he was fantastic. I think more fa- fantastic than we probably had anticipated, but he, that excitement Scott was talking about is, is real because every time real and spectacular. <laughs> Every time the ball is in his hand, there is the possibility of something big or special happening. It doesn't always happen, but that possibility is there, which which is awesome and fun.
1: When you couple that with Zach Moss and his ability uh, to make something special happen when he touches the ball, I just think that makes this offense that much more dangerous. And also an offense that I think Troy Taylor has been envisioning uh, since he got here a year ago.
0: Yeah, we we'll just get Demari Simpkins to catch the ball. We'll be in great shape. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on that. I, uh, I don't know where I stand on that. Obviously, expected pretty big things out of him. I mean, usually if someone's willing to say prior to the season that they are not only the best... Uh, wide receiver in the in the conference but in the country you you automatically put a target on your back and and then everybody instantly expects greatness and uh, <laughs> three three drops is not really greatness obviously you know I don't expect uh, that we're going to see that game in a game out. He, he probably was pressing he probably felt that pressure a little bit but it was definitely not a good showing. It, it kind of goes back to that: less talking, more, you know, let your actions do the do the talking for you. Hopefully, he can regroup and uh, and be ready to go next week and uh, and and start producing. And because he's a threat and and he's got good hands, so it's 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 not that he's forgotten how to how to catch a ball, but uh, it may it may have been a little bit too much uh, pressure on him uh, based off of. Uh, you know what he said, and the pressure he put on himself. But uh, th- th- there's so much talent along the wide receiver group that uh, I don't think we're going to see that type of performance uh, very often. No, and yeah, we look at uh, the a, the wide receivers as a whole. I mean, we are deep. Solomon Enos had a, had some great catches uh, later in that game. Jalen Dixon had that great down the field catch, and that was that was actually from Jason Shelley, which was a heck of a pass right after shortly after he entered the game. Uh, quarterback controversy, <laughs> oh, <never>. <laughs> <laughs> but but the wide receivers are deep, and and you know we give Simkins a hard time because of what he said, and I think he'll probably come around. But they are deep, and I, and I think the possibility is could be pretty fun to watch these
1: guys this year well and hopefully with the offense that it was maybe just nerves first game um even though it was weber i I think maybe you know being younger guys and and coming into a role where people are expecting them to not only compete but possibly win the south division i don't know if that played a factor into it um with the first game jitters so hopefully they got um out of that and, and the offense can can kind of build on, on what they did this first game against Weber and move forward. Uh, before we go into the defense, I want to let you know that we are brought to you by Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. And, you know, we say that every week uh, with uh, Mr. Omer and his uh, Farmers Insurance. He is our agent, all three of us. Uh, if you haven't had a quote done in, in quite some time, just... Just call Scott up, and and he will definitely, you know, see what he can say for you on on auto insurance, home insurance. He'll take care of you. So the defense, holy cow! we I mean, we mentioned it. Lights out. I mean, we'll just run through it real quick again. They held Weber one of fifteen on third downs. Uh, they only threw five of twenty-two for thirteen yards. Um, you know held their offense about sixty yards for the game. I guess the one blaring stat, and Winningham called this out, is zero takeaways by the Utah defense.
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I mean, you think a Utah defense would get uh, one or two takeaways, especially against a lesser division uh, team like Weaver State. So that is kind of surprising. But when you look at the overall picture, I mean, they were fantastic. Not one of their wide receivers caught a pass and the running backs were held in check. It was it was just an overall dominance. But I'll tell you what, we, we've seen Chase Hansen play now. This is his fourth year, and we all know what he's capable of. But I think moving him to linebacker was fantastic. Watching him close on the quarterback a couple of times and just laying him out, I'm surprised that quarterback lasted the entire game. It was something to... To watch i mean just that defense overall i mean a, a stat you don't see very often typically your linebackers you know they are your leading tacklers um not 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 on thursday night 68 percent of the tackles were done by the defensive line which is un, absolutely unheard of usually those guys are they create some havoc and they uh They have to take on blocks and allows those linebackers to come and just eat up and just have double digit tackle games. Chase Anson ended up as good as he played. He had three tackles because there was nobody to tackle. The defensive line was getting everything. It was, I mean, it was a dominant performance by both the tackles, by the ends. Um, just, uh, overall, just, uh, outstanding performance. Obviously, you're not going to overwhelm every opponent like they, like Weber State. But, you know, they were, technically, they were sound. Um, just, there's nothing else to say. They were absolutely dominant. You match that with the secondary that we have, again, it was a young quarterback from Weaver State making his first start, but not a single wide receiver caught a pass. Great coverage by the secondary. Um, you know, to Ryan's point, Chase Hansen and Cody Cody Barton both played well. Um, there's not, there's no critiquing. There's nothing that you can look at. I think from that game and go, well, we're gonna have to work on that. Absolutely dominating performance. And that again that was with a vanilla game plan. There was no blitzing, you know, pretty pretty just playing straight up out there. And uh, when when Scali tries to start uh, um changing defenses and disguising coverages and bringing different blitzes from all over the field, that's when it's going to be real exciting uh, to see kind of what this defense is capable of.
1: A uh, great point, Scott, and I and I agree. I think it was a, a total domination, and it really, yeah, it was Weber. It's you know a lesser program, in as far as an FCS school, but that's what that's what you need to see, and that's what we should expect with a P5 team playing um, a team at, at that level. You know, uh, one one thing I really want to hit with you guys is special teams. Uh, some of it looked phenomenal. And other parts of it really left me scratching my head. What, what were you guys' overthoughts on the special teams and what you saw?
0: I mean, in the, towards the beginning, it was a little. Well, was, I guess the, I say I was going to say a little rough, but I think the only thing rough was the blocked field goal. Well, I, I think what also was rough, not to cut you off, but was the uh, half the stadium did not understand the new rule of fair <laughs> catching on a kickoff. Because uh, poor Blackman, he uh, he gets booed the first two the first two kickoffs. Everyone's wondering why he's taking a fair catch, but uh, a little rough start I think for the fans too. <laughs> Good point. But uh, and we got the missed field goal, and then he had the muffed punt, which wasn't Covey's fault. Uh, Kidry, Kidry didn't get out of the way and kind of got pushed into him. But that I think it, it kind of later in the game, it took care of himself. Gay had a couple of field goals, um, and then of course Wisnowski had uh, some really good punts. Uh, plus, he had the fake, the fake punt that turned into a first down. And I'm still wondering if that was a called fake punt or if he just saw saw an opening and and made it happen. Do you guys know? It's, uh, I didn't hear for sure, but it looked to me, um, and Whittingham did comment post game that he's got the green light. They teach him, um, what to look for. Um, and, but he's got the green light to, to make any decision like that when he sees it. And so to me, it sounded like he, he saw it, um, and decided to do it himself. But if you look, I mean, obviously he gets around the first guy and then he's got a linebacker just waiting on him and he kind of just puts a move on him. And just, just accelerates and just blows by the guy. I mean, that's, that's like a running back move. Yeah, he's fast. He, he's pretty quick. And that, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, good momentum. And, and the thing I like about that, instantly, Washington has to prepare for it in two weeks. They're, they're gonna have to prepare. If anything, maybe it'll, maybe it'll, uh, force them to be pretty, uh, pretty conservative on their punt coverages, and, and not going after any blocks with uh, the threat that he he may pull one down and, and run uh, run for a first down. So and also, I love it.
1: It also thought, li- limits your blocking on what you can do on a punt return when you got to have guys stay home for that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I think it was great. Uh, Matt Gay, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty reliable as we became attested to last year. Other than that first block kick... Um, but man, I think part part of the best entertainment was pregame at halftime, watching him kick field goals from 65 yards out. They were flying through the, flying through the upright with plenty of distance. It was like watching an NFL kicker warm up. Yeah. He's, he's got I I don't know why he was now doing kickoffs last year. He, he casually just walks up to the ball and it flies out of the back of the end zone. I mean, uh. He's, he has got a leg that, uh, will give him an opportunity to the next level. But, you know, overall, there wasn't a whole lot to do as far as punt coverage. You know, I, I'd give I, I'd give, uh, obviously, you know, we want to break it down. I'd give, I give special teams probably a A minus, B plus. Defense is an A. Offense is probably a, a B, I would say. But, uh, overall, good, a good first game. You win comfortably. You got some things to work on, and what does Whittingham say every year? You know, some of the biggest progress happens between uh, weeks one and two. So um, it'll allow them to focus on some things with the offense, and hopefully, you know, just take a little step forward, start getting some confidence for for them, and uh, and uh, have some momentum as we head into uh, the Washington game.
1: So Scott, you bring up. Uh, you know, the, the biggest changes of week one or week two. Uh, so this week, Utah is traveling out to Illinois to take on uh, the Northern Illinois Huskies. Uh, I did watch their game this past weekend against Iowa, uh, and I actually came away pretty impressed with them. Uh, they they run a spread offense. They're kind of an up-tempo team. They don't do a lot of huddling. Their quarterback, uh, Marcus Childers, uh, started last year as a, as a redshirt freshman. He won. Uh, the freshman of the year in the MAC. He's a pocket passer, but he's pretty athletic. He had a a couple good runs um, against Iowa. As far as their offense, they're not particularly very big. But, I mean, they do have some some talented guys on there. Uh, And and even though they struggled getting the ball into the end zone against Iowa, I I think they still can pose some threat um, on the football field there. As far as their defense, it's it's you know a standard four three. They do have a DN uh, Sutton Smith. He was the MAC Defensive Player of the Year last year. Uh, he led the nation last year in tackles for loss. Uh, so he he's a he's a big time player. Their defense uh, actually was really good last year against the rush, and I think against Iowa, uh, they did really well. They hung with Iowa up until the middle of the third quarter, and then I think the gas just kind of ran out of them. I thought they played very assignment sound. You can tell they're very well coached, and so I think those teams, if you overlook them or if you don't come prepared, they they can beat you. They they can sneak up on you and beat them, and beat you. They they have that much talent that they can do that.
0: Yeah, I mean they they've proven in years past. Obviously, each year is a different team, but in years past, they've they've had some pretty significant wins against some good competition, and I think from them. You know this game is, is is probably circled on their schedule. It's not often that Utah or a Pac-12 team is going to go and play at their stadium. Oh, this is the you first, know so this is a big.
1: This is the first Pac-12 team to ever go there.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it's 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 a big deal for them. Uh, you know, even from the fan base perspective, you're going to have kind of an environment where. They're gonna they're gonna become they're gonna be ready to play, and they're gonna have a hostile crowd and uh, and uh, they're gonna want to win this. So I expect that we're gonna get their best shot. Yeah, they they didn't have all that impressive stats against Iowa, um, but uh, again, you know it was their first game as well. I, I look at it. This is definitely a step up past Weber State as far as talent and just overall strength of their program. Um, but again, it's probably one of those as, as long as we don't have too many first quarters against them and, and just have these mental errors and just lack of, lackadaisical approach. If Utah shows up, the talent, the, the power, the length is going to take over and it's just going to be, uh, one of those, one of those where we can go in and get the job done. That, that's, that's what I want to see out of this game is Utah get the job done and get some momentum heading into conference play. That's 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 the only thing I really care about is just getting some momentum and getting some confidence for uh for the following week. Yeah, I was just looking over the stats, uh NIU stats from last week and kinda of compared them to Utah stats from their first game. Something that that I think is interesting to watch for is Utah's rushing attack, we put up 294 rushing yards against Weaver State, and Northern Illinois gave up 209 yards rushing uh, in their first game. So I, I think Moss may be due for a big day.
1: Ryan, I think you make a great point. I think Moss uh, should be able to have a big game against them. Uh, like I said, they're, they're not a particularly big team. Um, and so as a fan, I love it when Moss gets the ball and just kind of run over dudes. And so I hope we see that uh this week as Utah travels to take on Northern Illinois. All right, so now it's time for our Pac-12 and 12. And that's brought to you by our sponsor with Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South, 801-359-7800. And they are the preferred hotel by Pac-12 teams when they come in to play the Utes. So, I think this week in the Pac 12, there were some exciting games, um, a lot of up and downs for the conference. Uh, so, let's just hurry and quickly run through those games. Uh, San Diego State traveled to Stanford, to Stanford won 31 to 10. Really interesting for me is Love only had 18 carries for 29 yards. Uh, you know, as a Heisman hopeful, that's not really how you want to start a season.
0: Yeah, when I saw that, I didn't watch the game. But when I saw that stat the following morning, that really surprised me. I wondered if he had gotten hurt because that that shocked
1: me. Kind of the game of the week: Washington versus Auburn. Of course, Auburn won twenty-one to sixteen. Uh, Jake Browning didn't particularly look good as well. Uh, he eighteen of thirty-two for two hundred ninety-six yards. So, I mean, not a not bad numbers, but I think a lot of his completions the wide receivers really helped him out in those, and I think a lot of people were surprised because, you know, Browning's senior year quarterback didn't look like in that first game he took that step. I think a lot of people were anticipating.
0: No, and and that was kind of, the unfortunately, what I somewhat expected out of this game is Washington. You know, they'll be competitive, but just probably not enough to get the job done, which is ultimately what took place. So, a little, a little unfortunate. The, the thing that's frustrating as a member of the Pac 12 is, you know, the national media is already saying, well, huh, you know, Pac 12's chances at a playoff may already be gone one week into the season. It's just ridiculous that, uh, you know, we don't get the same benefit of the doubt of, uh, as a lot of other teams and a lot of other, uh, a lot of other conferences. But I guess it really comes down to is we've got to take advantage of those opportunities and win some big games. and. Washington just hasn't been able to do that, at least consistently, um, on that big stage. Uh,
1: So it will be interesting to see what the Pac-12 can do losing that marquee game for the conference in Week 1. Washington State uh, took care of business in Laramie 41-19. I thought that was good, especially because on game day, all of them picked Wyoming to win that game, I believe. Uh, So you can never count Mike Leach out and... They have some wacky formations on there. I don't know if you guys saw, but they had everyone lined up on one side of the ball, and a wide receiver snapped it to a running back. It was really weird. I think Leach called it his big gulp offense, and he, he said he's got more to come for this season. So, I mean, it's always entertaining when Mike Leach is around. Uh, USC took on UNLV, and they came away with a victory 43-21. to But UNLV hung with them, uh, especially you know in that first half. Cal took, business at ho- took care of business at home with North Carolina, winning 24-17. to 17. Oregon State just got blown away by Ohio State, 77-31. to 31. I'll fully admit I was dead wrong when I said Oregon State might make it a little interesting with everything going on with Ohio State. Oregon State just got boat raced in that game.
0: Yeah, you never you never want to be on the wrong end of a team scoring seventy plus points. That's just never good.
1: I I will say though, uh, Blount came in uh, for Oregon State at quarterback um, and, and played well, or as well as you can when you when you lose by forty plus points. Uh, UCLA lost to Cincinnati twenty six to seventeen in Chip Kelly's debut as the head coach of UCLA. N- new coach, kind of the same outcome. Same thing with UCLA. They still have a lot of question marks around that secondary and that offensive line.
0: That's a, that's a, that's a rough way to start your season at home under a new coaching, uh, coaching staff, new head coach with, with pretty, pretty high. Ac- I mean, he comes with pretty high ac- reputation for being a coach that can put a lot of points on the board and use score 17 in your home debut. That's, it's a rough way to start the season. Well, and, I mean, to be fair, he hasn't had a chance to really get those uh, underlying recruiting lines set up to to pull in recruits illegally yet. and So it's going to take some time for for him to, for those things to take hold and him to get those players into the program.
1: I just don't get it. How UCLA can pull in a lot of these five and four-star guys, um, but yet just be mediocre Uh Definitely grateful for Kyle Woodingham and what he's able to do uh, with the program and uh, and the recruits he brings in. Uh, Oregon beat Bowling Green fifty-eight to twenty-four. No surprises there. Uh, Arizona State with Herm Edwards making his debut as the CEO uh, against UT San Antonio. They come away with the win forty-nine to seven. Colorado select Colorado State forty-five to thirteen. And I will say. Mike McIntyre did get a new haircut. I'm proud of him. He's probably heard me gripe about it, and that's why he did it. So a new haircut, and they come away with a win. Uh, Montez, I think, showed really well. Quarterback from Colorado. You know, he might be up there as, as one of the better quarterbacks in the league this season. And then the last game. What what
0: what, what? 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 Before we move on, before we move on, Cam, what would you consider? What's his style of new haircut? I didn't. I didn't get to see it. I mean, are we talking like? Did oh. he get I mean, is it is he's, it like a Dumb and Dumber? Put a bowl on the head. He's finally he, he, did he fast his tips? No, he's got. some... Did he get he, steps?
1: He's got some product in it now, and kind of flip up the uh, flip up the front a little bit. It doesn't look.
0: Wait, like, is it, it, does, it still it pretty long, or did he? Tr-
1: did, no, it's, did it's he trimmed. trim up. it? It's kind of trimmed. It's it it it's, it looks nice. It's trimmed up.
0: I mean is it is it like MacLamore, you know, the what the kids are doing, shaved the sides and got the little wave on top.
1: See, I know you guys are making fun of me, so I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> but Mac McIntyre, good job on the haircut and, and good job on the win. And the last game, BYU goes into Arizona and shocks everybody. Twenty eight to twenty three. Khalil Tate, seventeen to thirty-four for a hundred and ninety seven yards, only eight carries for fourteen yards. I don't know why he wants to become a pocket passer. He doesn't want to run. Everyone was blaming Sumlin uh, during the game on social media. And after the game, Tate said pretty much that it was his decision that he, he wants to throw. I don't know if I buy that. But honestly, that Arizona team looked bad. They have so many problems. I mean, you have offensive linemen that are running into each other when they're trying to pull. It doesn't make any sense down there. I maybe they figured out throughout the season, but they did not look good.
0: What I don't understand is, I mean, if you're going to whether it's a coaching decision, whether it's Khalil Tate's decision to become a pocket passer and to throw the ball and limit his running, then basically you've got Brandon Dawkins again. Because Khalil Tate, If you're relying on him strictly for his ability to throw the ball and be accurate and complete passes, you're done. They are not a threat in the South if you are going to eliminate his biggest strength and his running ability. He was awful. He looked like he was playing in the backyard with his buddies, and every it was like flies up every other time. You can't. You can't. He can't, can't be accurate with a high percentage when they throw the ball down the field that many times.
1: Oh, they were going for a home run I, and, every single time. I. I it just didn't and, make and, any and, sense.
0: No, it didn't. And, and and again, some of that may not be completely on him. Some of that's probably play calling, and and uh, you know, obviously, overall, it was just not good. I. I had no idea what Arizona was trying to accomplish. I mean, you hear it all, all the time. Kyle Whittingham says, you have to have an identity. You either run the ball, you throw the ball, or you're balanced. There was... I didn't have any clue what they were trying to accomplish out there. I mean, their, their offensive line half the time didn't look like they knew what they were trying to accomplish. it is a good win for BYU as far as the stage, what they went through last year and to get you 1-0 when they're 11-point dogs. But yeah. it was not an impressive win when you look at the performance Arizona put up. It was awful. Awful. So jumping into week two, looking at the Pac-12 schedule, uh kind of jumping, going back a little bit to what we talked about earlier, how the, the, the media jumped on and says the Pac-12 lost some games and kind of maybe eliminated itself from the playoffs. Looking at some games this week, it could be ugly for the Pac-12. Again, you've got Arizona going to, going to Houston. And if they play like they did, uh, against BYU, that's another loss for them. UCLA is going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma was clearly dominant in their game and UCLA didn't look to. The, the question on that is how much will you, should I lose by? Yeah, exactly. And you've got Colorado going to Nebraska, uh, New new coaching regime there at Nebraska. Colorado's looked decent, so that could be a good game. I don't know, but that that could possibly be another loss for the Pac-12. Cal's going to BYU. BYU looked a little better than I think some of us anticipated. So, I, but I don't know. We we saw them play against a horrible Arizona team. So who knows what they're really What they're really going to do? But it's their home opener. It's their home opener. And then you've got. Uh, Michigan State going to Arizona State. Michigan State didn't look great against Utah State. Utah State had a chance there at the end. But Arizona State looked pretty good in their home opener. So there's there's some possible Pac-12 losses again in Week 2. I don't know what to think.
1: Yeah, so definitely some, some big games coming up in, in the week. Uh, as we like to do with, with ending this segment out, is kind of pick three games and kind of pick winners. Uh, we keep a running total. So last week... Uh, Scott went two and one and Ryan and, and I went one and two, uh, in those weeks. So thanks a lot. Arizona. Thanks a lot, Arizona.
0: Under 500, under 500.
1: This week, Ryan, you're going first. So USC at Stanford, who do you got winning?
0: Wow. I don't know. Uh, top 15 matchup in week two, Pac-12 openers, uh, at Stanford, but did you see that home field advantage they had against San Diego State? That was that was fantastic. They had tens of fans there. <laughs> uh, I
1: think I'm going to go with USC. I'm actually going to go Stanford on this one. Uh, I think maybe they. I think they were kind of maybe looking a little over San Diego State, uh, looking at USC coming up, uh, and, and I think Bryce Love after his week uh, this past week, he, he'll step up and, and have a great game. Scott, where are you going?
0: I'm going to go with Stanford on this as well. For the very reason is uh, USC gave up over 300 yards on the ground last week to UNLV. Let me repeat that: they gave up 300 yards to UNLV, and Bryce Love is is coming to challenge. So, I. I think uh, I, I wasn't overly impressed with Stanford in their home opener um, either last week. and um, But, I, but I, I'm not all that impressed with USC. I think Bryce Love breaks out of it, and I think he has a big day and gives uh, Stanford the win.
1: And Vegas also likes Stanford in that one. So I think, Scott, you and I will be right, and Ryan will be wrong, as usual. Uh, the next game, Colorado's
0: <laughs> well, going... As usual. Wait a minute. What's his usual stuff? You and I have the same record.
1: Colorado's going uh, at Nebraska. Nebraska's favored right now in Vegas by about four points um, as the opening line. Ryan, where are you going?
0: Uh, it's a top one again. We, don't have any, we haven't had a look at Nebraska yet, but uh, with Frost going there to coach, it's a hyped-up game. I think, uh, I think Nebraska squeaks one out.
1: Yeah, as much as I like uh, Mike McIntyre's new haircut, I don't think it can help in this game like it did last game, so I'm taking the Cornhusker, Scott?
0: This is a tough one. I'm going to go Nebraska as well. Colorado has looked better than I thought they would so far. But Colorado State is absolutely abysmal and so I don't think we can really put too much weight on that last game. I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Nebraska as well on that. Even though it is, they're, they're starting a uh, a true freshman, um, so they're gonna have some growing pains. But I'll, I'll I'll stick with it. I'll go Nebraska.
1: And then the last game is uh, the Cal Bears traveling to BYU. BYU opened up as a two and a half point favorite against Cal. Ryan, do you like the Bears or the Cougars?
0: I think it'll be a close game. I think uh, BYU's got a little bit of momentum on their side and coming off of that victory against Arizona. So I'm going to go with BYU, squeaking out at home.
1: So I think Vegas has this dead on. I think it's going to be super close. Because it's in Provo, I'm going to have to say Cal's going to lose because I won't say BYU will win. So I think Cal loses. Scott, where are you going?
0: (laughs) Well, I think Kalani Sasaki and his uh, mustached men have pulled the wool over your guys' eyes. One win does not make a team or a program regardless of how much they celebrate on the sidelines after the game. I'm going with Cal because the Pac-12 needs this win. I'm
1: going
0: with Cal, you know... They they look pretty they look pretty decent so far I think BYU is maybe going to be in a little a uh, little too overconfident because they just beat a really unorganized bad team and uh, you're not going to see that from Cal Wilcox has done a good job in his in his, in his time this is only a second year but uh, he's got Cal going in the right direction so I got Cal uh, pulling out a victory. That's how I see it. I I don't uh, I don't I don't think BYU gets
1: this. Scott, for the sake of the Pac twelve, I hope you're right. <laughs> so do I. All right, and before we uh, wrap things up, let's go ahead and kind of pick our our Utah game and score. Ryan, who do you have in Utah, Northern Illinois, and your score?
0: I go with the Utes, of course, and I'm going to say Utah wins forty eight to ten.
1: I'm also gonna go with the Utah win. Uh, Vegas has this as uh, about a ten point, eleven point game. I'm gonna go Utah twenty four to ten. Scott.
0: Wow, that's a, that's a, that's bringing back a rod type prediction. Um, yeah, Utah win. Uh, I'm not. I'm gonna be probably kind of in the middle, both of you and Ryan. I'm gonna say a thirty seven to seventeen win for the Utes.
1: All right, so that will do it for our episode this week. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter?
0: At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter M, Feather.
1: Scott?
0: Uh, U-man underscore forever.
1: And you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere there's a podcast, we're on there. And you can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And hopefully Utah gets a big win over in Northern Illinois this week. And go Utes!
0: Go Utes! Go Utes! We'll be tell at that caddyact. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. We'll call it Cameron's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Come on in, friends. Come take a seat. Let's listen to Cameron. This is Cameron's Corner. Hello, friends.
1: I was kind of hoping, since you were in California, there wouldn't be any singing or making fun of
0: me. <laughs> Cameron, you know you know that we do it because we love you.